following is the scripture reading and sermon from our weekly worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. Our Old Testament lesson for this morning comes from the book of Genesis, the 45th chapter. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading Psalm 37 by whole verse responsively. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they shall soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their refuge in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and rescues them. He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Our New Testament lesson is from the 
1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body, as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What am I saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. <clears throat> Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coal, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, here we go, folks. Last week, Jesus reoriented our understanding of how the kingdom of God works versus the way of the world, telling us that it is indeed the poor, the hungry, the downtrodden who are in fact blessed by God, not the rich and powerful. And today, just a few verses later on in the Gospel of Luke, Still the Sermon on the Plain, as we call it, Jesus is continuing this idea that the kingdom of God is turning the world upside down on its head. And Jesus today gives us what seems like the impossible instructions to love our enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. Yep, these words seem pretty darn impossible. I mean... Let's just take on the surface for a minute. If you love someone, can they even be your enemy anymore? I mean, I've heard of the term frenemy, but I don't know if that's quite what Jesus is talking about here. I have to admit that I am kind of super curious, though, as to how the crowds responded to Jesus' hard words that they had to be hearing in this sermon. What did they do? I mean, did they claim that Jesus had lost his mind? I mean, love your enemies? What? Did they declare that Jesus' teachings were, in fact, too hard and turn around and leave? Did anyone try to argue with him about what it would mean to turn the other cheek? Did they just simply start booing him? Did they just stand in awe at these words that Jesus had declared to them? I don't know, but it's kind of fun to wonder because I think that some of their responses are probably the same responses that we have today because I know my initial response when I hear these impossible words from Jesus they almost feel like a parent who's standing there wagging their finger at me telling me to keep my room clean or uh, don't look for your birthday presents under the bed or be nice to your siblings I mean all of these are unattainable commands right I mean how could we possibly do that Jesus but then as we continue reading the story of Jesus we see time and time again that Jesus actually lives these words out. I mean, we know how his story ends. Jesus is nailed to the cross by the enemies of his message of love. And as he is hanging there with his last words, Jesus says, Go get him. Avenge my death. No, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It is through Jesus' death and resurrection that we are shown, are shown this expansive mercy and love that God has for us and for the whole world. It is the good news that we need because we cannot live up to this mark of loving our enemies and doing good to those who hate us. We need that forgiveness that was granted us on that cross. Now let me just pause for a moment to recognize that these words have indeed been used and misused for victims of all kinds of dis different kinds of abuse. And they have been used for, to convince people to stay in abusive relationships or to not report abuse that has taken place, and that is wrong and evil. 
These words have also been used by manipulative people to uh, force forgiveness out of people or to make the claim that you have to be nice and pray for someone who is abusing you. This is also wrong. Jesus' words are ultimately meant to be life-giving and freeing. I do not believe they are a call for us to be a doormat and to suffer abuse. We are to live with healthy and good boundaries that keep us and all people safe and ensure the well-being of all, including ourselves. So with these important distinctions in place, we can then go back to these words of Jesus and think about them for our daily life today. But keep those important distinctions in mind. We know that following Jesus and living out the values of God's kingdom are not easy, and they are not practical even. But we also know and trust that they are life-changing for us and for the world. I think to the show... Maybe you've seen it, The Mandalorian, kind of like it. It's kind of a good show. Even if you haven't seen it, The Mandalorian, I, I don't uh, advocate for his kind of beating people up and all that kind of jazz. But he has a saying that says, this is the way. And it's kind of used when he's faced a, t- a tough situation or something that difficult is happening. He simply says, this is the way. Jesus seems to be saying that to us today. These are hard words. But it is the way, the way to life and hope and to forgiveness and to mercy, a way of being different in the world. It is the way. And this way has led to changes across our world through uh, the idea of like nonviolent protests from the civil rights movement like Martin Luther King Jr.'s March on Washington or the Women's Suffrage March in 1913 advocating for women's right to vote or Nelson Mandela and his work to end apartheid in South Africa through nonviolent means. In his work for Indian independence, Gandhi used nonviolent principles to change the colonial rule. This idea of loving our enemies in a nonviolent way changes us, and it can change the world. But I think Jesus' words here are not meant just for global movements. They're meant for us as individuals and as a community. I don't think Jesus is talking about the like Valentine's Day warm, fuzzy love that we're supposed to have for our enemies. No, Jesus is talking about just practical actions of those that we have a hard time with, doing good, blessing, praying for, showing practical generosity to all people. Jesus isn't talking about that warm, lovey-dovey feeling we have for a romantic partner, and I don't think he's talking about the wonderful feeling of love that you have for a kid or a grandkid or friends or relatives. Um, Although sometimes those folks might feel like enemies. That's not what Jesus is talking about. I think Jesus is talking about This is the way of living. It's the way of being. It is the way. Not that we feel warm and fuzzy. It's the actions that we do. Jesus talked last week about the kingdom of God turning the way of the world upside down. And Jesus is continuing that idea here today. When we reflect on the love of God in our lives, it is lived out then towards others. It will look vastly different than the norms of this world and the values of this world. When we do this with healthy boundaries, we show love, forgiveness, and mercy to those who don't deserve it. And when we do that, not only are those folks changed, we are changed as well. And ultimately then, the world can be changed. So if we considered Jesus' words this morning not as a command, a parent wagging their finger, what if we considered them as an invitation to the way? An invitation to a new way of life that is rooted in freedom. B, 
being free from hate, retribution, and fear, and living into a life of love, generosity, and healing. I think of the words from Martin Luther King Jr. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. I know I can think of quite a few people who I know who carry with them that burden of anger and hatred towards other people or groups of people, maybe just folks they disagree with, who have maybe wronged them or they think they have the wrong political beliefs or whatever the case may be, they carry that heavy burden. They carry it in their hearts and in their minds, and it's a burden of resentment towards others, and it affects them personally. And then it wrinkles out and affects their relationships and all of the joy and freedom that they could have in experiencing life gets put on the back burner to the burden of hate. And even look at our Old Testament story today of Joseph who after years of being in a foreign land meets his brothers who by the way were going to kill him but instead decided to sell him into slavery. Joseph comes and confronts them and he chooses a path that preserves life. He chooses the path and the way of forgiveness rather than revenge, and he weeps with his brother and promises to be generous to them and their family. He didn't have to do that. He could have chosen the path of hatred and revenge, but instead preserved life and showed generosity. This is the way, church. This is the way of, that Jesus is inviting us to live in this world that we live. It's a new way of living where we are free from the burdens of hate and retaliation and the need to even protect what we have. It's the freedom, rather, to live a life of gratitude towards God and one that sees an end to violence and hatred in this world because we trust that this way, this way of Jesus, having been forgiven and shown the love of God and the mercy that we did not deserve, we then can show it to a world, and this world can be transformed by God's love and mercy. May we follow the way of Jesus. Amen.